Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. If you're looking for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style, Empowerography would love to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners, Quartz and Canary Jewelry and Wellness Company. Please use code EMPOWER15 to receive 15% off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com. Quartz and Canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Allison Lang. She is an athlete, a model, a spokesperson, and an amputee and disability advocate. How are you doing today, Allison? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Brad. Well, thank you so much for making the time to be here today. I know that you and I have been trying to connect and get this done for <laughs> quite some time. So I'm so happy and so grateful to finally have you here and be able to connect and sit down with you and share in your journey and your story with the Empowerography community and learn a bit more about who you are and what you do. So I'm very grateful for you. I appreciate you. So thank you for making the time to be here. Thank you for asking me to be here. I'm grateful for you too. I know it's been a long time coming, but you know, they say good things come to those that wait. That's right. That's right. So as mentioned, you're an athlete, a model, a spokesperson, and an amputee and disability advocate. That's a hell of a lot of hats you wear, Allison. How do you find the time and what does balance mean to you? How do you balance it all? (sighs) That's such a tough question. It's taken me a lot of practice to find balance in my life, but I truly feel that when you're passionate about something you don't even have to try to make time for it. It just naturally happens. So, I mean, I haven't always been confident to discuss disability, but it's impacted my life in so many ways. I've been disabled ever since I was born that now I feel it is almost my duty to pave that path. And uh, balance is truly important. I I'm a very social being, so <laughs> balancing all my work with also connecting with my family and friends is so important, but I definitely mm. think having fun and working hard play hand in hand. For sure. Now, as you mentioned, you are an advocate for amputees and people with disabilities. How long have you been doing the advocacy work? <sighs> Honestly, not that long. It's been more so the past two or three years that I've really dived in deep into that. A little fun fact about me. So I'm mm-hmm. a congenital amputee. I was born missing the lower half of my left leg at birth. And I was in denial that I ever had a disability. I hid my leg for a majority of my life. I was severely bullied, both mentally and physically. And... It wasn't until my early mid-20s, I'm 28 now for reference, Mm. that I truly started reflecting and accepting who I was through lots of practice. And that's where I compared myself when I was younger to who I am now. And it's honestly a 180. I wish you had met me when I was younger. But I was thinking about if I was that heartbroken about who I was when I was younger, why can't I be this amazing role model, hopefully, to younger amputees or any younger child with a disability that's just trying to find their way and navigate this very ableist society that we live in. Well, I love that you have found your voice and found yourself and are doing this work to give back and help because you were in that position. You're doing it from experience. You're doing it to help 
pay it forward and give others and show others the right path that you don't have to feel that way, that it's good to be, it's okay to be who you are authentically and embrace that and share that with the world. Absolutely. I actually have goosebumps with you saying that even because if I was 15 and someone had told me I'd be having this conversation right now with you, I would not believe it. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I think it's brilliant. So how did you get involved in doing your advocacy work and what inspired you? Like what was, or what was the, shall we say, light bulb moment or breaking point? You said, okay, you know what? I've got to start using my story to help propel others who may be dealing with similar things. There was really no aha moment for me. Mm. I try to think back on the day that really, you know, let the fire under my ass, but uh, (laughs) to say it was something over time. I don't know if you know this about me, but I have backpacked 29 countries as a solo female traveler as well. Mm -hmm. And I started posting photos of my adventures. And, you know, when you're in tropical places, it's really hard to hide a prosthetic when you're Mm -hmm. lounging on the beach and all of that. And it took me a lot of courage to start posting photos where people could see my whole body because I was so insecure about it for so long. And I, I started receiving these messages from parents of other amputees saying, wow, I am so grateful that I found your page. I was so fearful for my daughter or my son growing up. They have this kind of disability, but seeing you live your life fully and truly to who you are just gives me so much strength and hope that they will also live a fulfilled life. And honestly, what more could you ask for as a human being saying that the way that you're living is also, you know, motivating and encouraging others to be exactly who they are with no apology. So I started continuing sharing my story and more so than just posting a photo with no explanation, people would start engaging with what I was putting out there. So I started addressing, you know, funding issues, ableist comments I've received in the past, how I'm considered disabled, but not disabled enough for scholarships or bursaries. And it started this shit. Yeah, it started this conversation. And so I thought, you know what, I've never seen this online. And I look up to other amputees and Paralympians and people like that. But I don't know if these kinds of topics have been addressed fully. And a lot of my friends and family didn't even know that these were things that I was internally struggling with. So for me to share them with the public became just something like a side project for me, a passion to do my research and just share my story. And Now it's developed into this beautiful thing. And I love now that I can have conversations with other amputees that have found my page or I have found theirs and I'm building this online community and I'm so grateful for it because I used to think I was the only one living like this and struggling like this. And I had no one to talk to. So you can imagine how, how many others out there must feel like that as well. You having felt that way yourself and that must've felt absolutely incredible to get messages from parents of amputees and what they were struggling with and to give you that support and words of encouragement and thanks and gratitude and all of that stuff. Oh, I called my mom crying one day because my parents have been the best support system for me. And they've always, you know, encouraged me to do whatever my heart desired and Mm. never let my disability hold me back. And I remember I called my mom crying one day and I just said, I I can't handle how deep and open these parents are being with me. It just doesn't feel real. What am I doing to deserve like insight into their life like this? Like it was a beautiful thing. And I'm so 
thankful that people trust me with the struggles going on in their family. And I just hope that we can start an open conversation where, you know, people that aren't directly tied to someone with a disability can understand and be empathetic to what we go through. I think it's so beautiful. Amazing. As you said, you yourself being an amputee, you have not let that limit or stop you in doing the things you want to do in life. And I'm sure it wasn't always that way. It took you time to get there. But I think that is absolutely incredible because I'm sure there are so many people and I'm sure you've probably even met people that do struggle with that and they do let it stop them from doing the things they want to do. So, I mean, as you mentioned as well, you went through a lot of bullying you dealt with being picked on and personal struggle. You went through a lot to get to where you are today. Can you share a little bit more about some of the struggles you went through in your story growing up, if you don't mind? Absolutely. It started from when I was born. I'm the oldest of four kids Mm -hmm. and my parents were waiting for the doctors to bring me back after I was born. And they mentioned to my parents, oh, there's something wrong with your daughter, with your Mm -hmm. firstborn. And my parents' hearts kind of stopped for a moment. And he said she was born with one leg. And my mom, thank goodness, is a nurse. And her response was, well, how are her lungs? How are all her internal organs? (laughs) Yeah, the important vital organs. (laughs) Yeah. And he said, okay, everything else is fine. And so in unison, my parents were like, there's nothing wrong. Beautiful. And I know that comes from a place of privilege. Not everyone has supportive families or parents. And I mean... I have great parents, but it doesn't mean everyone in my family was accepting. There were comments from grandparents like, oh, how is she ever going to find a husband? How is she ever going to work? But you know, I forgive my grandparents. They went through World War II. They saw people struggle with disabilities and not make it out. And thank God I was born in the 90s, you know, where we have a lot more technology. Yeah. But... My parents put me into swimming and soccer so I could make friends at a young age and to explore what I was interested in. I started walking at the same age as most children around the Mm -hmm. 18 month mark. I got my first prosthetic. So it was raising me was different, but my parents loved every step of it until I entered elementary school. And Mm -hmm. as we all know, some kids can be quite cruel. Yes. It wasn't only the emotional bullying that took a toll on me, but I was also physically bullied. So kids would take my prosthetic away from me, bury it in the sandbox, or I used to have to get revision surgeries when I was younger. So I was born without my fibula, but just my tibia below my left knee. So the bone would grow through the skin every few years as I got taller. So they'd have to trim it down and therefore Mm. I would go to school on crutches or in a wheelchair. And it got to the point where... I would go home after school and cry myself to sleep or tell my parents things like, I don't want to be here anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be who I am. Why am I different? If our family is Catholic, why did God make me this way? Mm -hmm. And it, you can probably hear it in my voice, but it took such a toll on my mental health and to the point that my parents actually ended up switching me out of that school. Right. And so it was a fresh start for me in junior high. And I actually hid my leg, even in plus 30 degree weather. Oh my gosh. I used to wear shorts because I didn't want to go back to the way I was treated at my Mm -hmm. previous school. And I mean, when you're in your, just reaching your teenage years and entering puberty and all these changes are happening in your body and you're so much more emotional and fragile. And you're trying to fit in, you're trying to make friends and be part of the, the, like just fit in normally, right? Whatever normal is. 
I would refuse to go to sleepovers or pool parties and fear that someone would figure out. And one day I did kind of test it out. I had a crush on this boy and he was going swimming and my friends were going swimming. Mm -hmm. So I show up, but I was wearing these long board shorts to kind of hide my knee because beneath the knee, it kind of looks real from afar, but not entirely. And someone was like, oh, is that your crush? And he just looked at me, saw my leg and responded, not anymore. So as a young female entering the dating scene, I was shattered. And no doubt. that made me also just, you know, going into high school, not showing <sighs> my leg. I stopped playing sports because I didn't want people to see me in shorts. I didn't want them to ask why I was running differently or, mm-hmm. you know, having sometimes I have to take my leg off just like feet. It gets sweaty, wipe it down. And I didn't want to have to do that in front of anybody and fear that. I would be ostracized again. So I was shattered in more ways than one. And I missed out on a lot of life opportunities. And so I have vowed to myself now that, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that it was something overnight where I have built my confidence, but it was probably more university where, you know, people are adults and they have more detailed things to think about mm-hmm. about themselves than anybody mm-hmm. else. We have now bills to pay, rent, all these other things. We're just trying to survive. And yeah. I practice gratitude a lot and words of affirmation. And I would write things down about myself that I wanted to believe as far as like, you're beautiful, you're smart, you have a family that loves you mm-hmm. and anything to kind of keep me going that wasn't so fixated on my prosthetic or being disabled. And if people referred to me as disabled, I would correct them and say, no, I'm not, I'm differently abled. And I'm- I love it. <laughs> it's so funny because I'm so that. against that now, as you know, because I mean, we'll get into that later, but yeah. I struggled every day of my life with this it was more internal ableism that I was trying to combat Mm. in my late teens early 20s and now I'm just like "Mm, I'm gonna be myself (laughs) (laughs) and fuck all of you you don't like me see you later yeah I mean having having that incredible support system in your parents that had to be a huge help in overcoming and dealing with those hurdles mentally and physically. Yeah. I mean, kudos to my parents though, because they had four children in three and a half years and with everything that I went through. And I mean, every child goes through something, Yes, having four of them and then everything that I've kind of had to, they've gone up and fought battles for me as far as, you know, threatening to go to media because principals weren't doing anything about the bullying and yeah mom and dad if you're listening to this I love you thank you for everything much gratitude yeah (laughs) so how then have these experiences helped shape the Allison you are today do you think you know there's such an emphasis on having that perfect body for any female I never saw people like myself on tv or on the cover of magazines and you know if we were our whole story was we were victimized in in a sense and I didn't want to play victim anymore I was over that and you know through my bullying I still tried not to see myself as a victim I tried to be thankful for what I was capable of doing which was you know I can hike I've traveled the world I've tried surfing and 
all these beautiful things. And I wanted to make a different perception of disabled people. So rather than being victimized, I started blogging about all of my adventures and everywhere I've been in the world and things that I've successfully done when people doubted that I could. And I wanted to be, you know, if young girls Googled amputee surfing, amputee this, amputee that, like hopefully my page would come up and they would look at it and say, you know what, I can do these things. I need to stop being limited because it's not really the limitations of our bodies that won't let us do something. It's the limitations and assumptions of others, which are damaging. So yeah, I I thought a lot. I would say that being surrounded and making friends with other amputees and disabled people have helped me truly grow as well. I mean, I'm a member of Team Canada's sitting volleyball team, and we all have encountered adversity and overcome adversity to different extents and shared stories through that way. And having just other people like me has been great. And hopefully we as a team and as individuals can be role models to younger children. So it's great to have that and so important to have that network of support. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And if anyone's listening, if whether you're struggling with your body or something else, it's so important to try to find some kind of support system, whether that be through people that you know, or even seeking that out online. Like I have such a great online presence. I mean, when I was younger, I used to be told, don't make friends with strangers (laughs) online. And now look at us all, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, that's how friendships are started is Meeting strangers online, that's that's how it all begins now. So what lights you up the most, Allison, or is the most inspiring part for you personally about the advocacy work that you do? Mm, I would say I'm very passionate and involved in my advocacy work. However, I love working with children. After my first degree in graphic design and photography, I went and I got my education degree because I really wanted to become a teacher for the exposure of those with disabilities, not entirely just teaching a section about it like they do in school now but they didn't when I was younger and I would show up teaching in skirts dresses that kind of thing so that the students would see that I could live a normal life without directly talking about it and now sure I'm an advocate online and I do some guest speaking but my true passion is going into schools and talking about bullying or body image insecurities or disabilities and, you know, being an ally, because that is truly what we need in order to, you know, kick this in the butt and be ableism entirely is having non-disabled people also being be an ally advocates for it yeah (laughs) and advocates for us absolutely you know power and numbers and it all starts with education around the topic yep conversation that that starts it all right yeah if you could give or offer one piece of advice to others who might be going through a similar situation like what do you tell young kids who you speak to or who reach out to you and are going through struggles what do you tell them what's one piece of advice you give them well, for children specifically or adults, I guess. Either, yeah, anyway, either <laughs> I, or, it doesn't matter. When they do ask me about how I overcame it, I do ask them about like clubs in their schools or groups outside. So for me, I was involved in girl guides and soccer, and I always kind of had a team to fall back on. Mm-hmm. And I find that 
when I felt so alone in school or in what I was going through, there were people going through something similar, but maybe Mm. not to the same extent. So to try and find a community or some kind of group, whether that be women or, you know, some kind of team aspect, because like I had said before, someone is going through something and just to have that support there and someone to talk to. And I mean, not everyone can talk and open up to their own families about it. I know that that's a tough thing when you don't have the support there. So to seek it elsewhere and whether that not be a group, you can talk to adults at the schools. There has to be someone that knows something that would be able to help you. Now, I'm assuming you're a big advocate of self-love, body positivity, women's empowerment, all of that beautiful stuff. Can you speak a little bit about what those things mean to you on a personal level? I would have never been able to answer this question a few years ago, but definitely self-love. I guess I used to seek validation of others and nobody should do that. I sought for love and respect for too long and I never felt fulfilled from that because nobody could give me what I needed. And then I came to terms that the one person that could offer what I was looking for was myself. And so sit and learn to be comfortable with yourself. That was a big thing for me, writing about everything that I had been through and or set goals for how I wanted to learn to love my body or learn to love the way that I did things differently. That truly still resonates with me because I mean, not everything comes to me on a silver platter still. I still struggle with my body. I still struggle with what I see in the mirror on a day-to-day basis. And not many people know this, but in order to do the activities that I love, I need to go through government funding or apply for grants. And one big support for me has been the War Amps Champ Program of Canada. They support families and young amputees, and they help cover the costs of prosthetic limbs Mm -hmm. and specifically recreational limbs. So for me, I've kind of had to jump through hurdles in order to do things that I love. It sometimes takes me longer, but to really sit and reflect on those things has helped me learn to be more patient and grow to love my body. Seemingly in the media, and I know you briefly touched on this, self-love, women's empowerment, body positivity. It's almost like they come across as buzzwords, like they're the the cool words to use, they're the in words to use. Now, of course, the media plays a huge part in that. But do you think that it kind of takes away from the true meaning behind these words or waters them down, so to speak, in the media or What are your thoughts on all of that? I mean, you had mentioned too that there weren't many amputees portrayed in the media as you were growing up. And even still now, there's not a lot of that. I think there needs to be more of that shown to the world. But what are your thoughts on this whole movement? Yeah, I first want to touch on saying that I'm so happy that this movement has finally taken place. It's been too long where, you know, men and women have struggled with comparing their bodies to what they see online mm-hmm. or in the media. But I do, I, I truly do believe that specifically the word body positivity is greatly watered down. Mm-hmm. And I love seeing women posting that they love their bodies online. That is great. Let's learn to love our bodies, support one one another. But that word was actually first used within the women's black community because, you know, they had to fight not only racial stuff, but the shapes of their bodies, the curvature and their beautiful curves. And 
if you even Google the word body positivity, it was set out for minority groups. So those of the BIPOC community, LGBTQ plus community, the disabled community, etc. Mm. So for people to post a photo of themselves in an average or thin white body, for instance, and you see their roles and they use the hashtag body positivity. That's not what the word, that's not what the movement is for. It's great that you are learning to love and accept your roles when for so long we've been told that they're not beautiful and we should have a six pack chiseled ab section, Mm. but that word is being misused and it's for minority groups fighting back for acceptance because we have been ostracized for so long and looked at as not beautiful and in order to portray us they've used able-bodied people or we haven't really been in the forefront yet and so we're still fighting for that recognition and that true love and acceptance that society seems to still you know push us into the back corner and be like we see you we hear you but they don't want us to be Stay where you are kind of thing. Yeah, we don't want to bring you to the forefront. Exactly. Like even inclusion and diversity, those words are huge buzzwords when you're Mm -hmm. applying for jobs now. However, when I apply for jobs or I ask certain companies, what is the percentage of disabled people you've hired? Mm -hmm. It's extremely low or I get a zero. I'm like, (laughs) how is that? inclusive and diverse when Mm -hmm. you know there's one billion disabled people on this planet one billion we are the largest minority in the world we sit at 15 percent because not every disability is visible there's mental disabilities physical disabilities so in order to have those buzzwords as you say really impact the minority and our community, it's, there's still a lot of work to be done. Absolutely. 100%. Now, speaking of empowerment, Allison, what does that word mean to you? How do you uh, define it? I think the word empowerment for me changes day by day on how I'm feeling and what I need mm-hmm. in that moment to feel empowered and to feel strength. But for me, empowerment would be having the strength and the courage to authentically live as myself. And I mean, Here we're talking about me having the empowerment and the drive to truly advocate for others. But sometimes you just need to be empowered to be truly who you are and show up as you are. So there are different levels. It's on a spectrum. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. Let's talk a little bit. And I know you alluded to it earlier. You've competed as part of Canada's sitting volleyball team internationally in England, the US, Brazil, and represented Canada in the Pan Am Games. How did you first get involved in being part of Canada's sitting volleyball team? And how was that experience for you? First of all, I just have to say it's the best experience of my life. (laughs) (laughs) All the girls on my team are excellent and the coaching staff are amazing. Honestly, I I don't have a volleyball background, so I never played it growing up, but I was always athletic. Mm -hmm. And like I had mentioned through the war amps and how they help cover prosthetic limbs for children, they also have annual seminars for families. So I would go annually and I became friends with one of the girls at these seminars that, you know, the team had just started, it was in its grassroots and they were looking for athletes. So one thing that I like to say, or don't necessarily always like to say, but the difference between the Olympics and the Paralympics, sometimes the Paralympic athletes become disabled and then they become athletes rather than when you're an Olympic athlete, you are able-bodied, but you work towards one sport or one athleticism 
to master, to go to the Olympics. Right. So for me, I had met this girl and she's like, why don't you just come try it? And I'm like, well, I've never played volleyball before, <laughs> but sure. And it was in my hometown in Edmonton. So mm. I showed up and there was maybe four or five girls on the team at the time. So not even enough to fill a courtside right. team. And what ended up happening is they set a program in place to train us to become volleyball athletes. So I, I wouldn't say that I went there anticipating I would be all of a sudden leave and be like, yeah, I'm on team Canada. I mean, that's every person's dream. Yeah. And <laughs> it was a big deal. And so I started training with the team. They just wanted bodies to help on the court and stuff. But mm. I mean, through the practices that they set out for us, it really improved my skills quite rapidly, a lot faster mm. than I thought. But I mean, yeah. having some kind of sports background definitely helps with the competitive Yes, absolutely. You already, you are already stuff. athletic. So absolutely. So mm. it, that helped in my favor. Mm -hmm. And then before I knew it, our team grew from four to five girls to eight to 10, 11. And we started traveling internationally. So one of my first competitions was in Denver, Colorado, and mm -hmm. we showed up and played and that was my first experience. And I was like, Oh, I'm shit. This sucks. Like, <laughs> I, I wasn't too good. But obviously, just getting that international competitive competition experience is so good. And mm. then you can reflect on it and prepare for the next time. And I attended the Pan Am Games in Oklahoma. And then before I knew it, we went to London to compete in zonals and compete against more countries. So before I knew it, we flew to Sao Paulo in Brazil and we were competing in a Paralympic qualifier for London 2012. And we had been at this point, I had been on the team from the age of 16 to 21. So I was roughly 2021 20, at this time. Mm -hmm. Or no, I would have been, sorry, still just out of fresh out of high school. So mm -hmm. yeah, traveling and um, we lost to Brazil in the fifth set. So normally, as you know, volleyball goes to three sets, mm -hmm. but if they're tied or so many you points, you going. can go to the fourth, fifth. Yeah. And that was probably one of the most devastating moments of our whole team's sure. career. And we came so close and I remember flying home and just crying mm -hmm. and being like, okay, clearly this sport has made such a huge impact on me. I want to continue doing it. And I, I did, I kept training with the team. However, I took a little bit of a break to go and pursue my university degrees. Mm -hmm. And I just returned actually just a little bit over a year ago, maybe two years ago now. Mm. So just before the Paralympics in Tokyo 2020. Well, they were set out to be in 2020. And then of course, we had the pandemic and they were set back. And I didn't go due to COVID, but now I'm back training full-time with them. Awesome. And we are going to Boston in March 2022 mm -hmm. to compete against the States because we are currently preparing for our next Paralympic qualifier in Very China good. in May 2022. <laughs> That's so awesome. wish us luck. Stay tuned to watch our journey. Yeah, we're I'm really excited to be back. That's phenomenal. <laughs> and I'm sure you guys will kill it. That's amazing. Good for you. Thank you. So as mentioned, you're also a model. How long have you been modeling and how did you get into modeling? I never set out to be a model. I just want to clarify <laughs> just that. Just as you first never of all. set out to play volleyball. It just 
yeah, I organically guess. happens. I got yeah, I guess so. But I, I'm I'm so thankful to be a model because like I have been preaching this whole time is I never grew up with a role model or anybody that looked like me. And I'm just so grateful now that the industry is changing. I mean, it's still has a lot of work to do as far yeah. as diversity of any kind of body. It's great. I have a great mother agency here in Montreal. I'm signed with Agence La Suite and I've I've been fortunate. I've modeled for Arden, which is a clothing line for young girls. So that was a dream come true for me. I've modeled for Via Rail. I've appeared in a Government of Canada commercial. And it's done in a way where, you know, my leg appears in these shots, but it's not the sole focus of them, which I'm so appreciative of because I don't want it to always be about my leg. I want Mm -hmm. people to think, you know, you can live a normal life and appear in the background without it being a big deal, without people staring and setting out to ask you, oh, tell me everything about your story. And I have exciting news. I just recently signed with another agency in Toronto, actually. So in your area with a BNM. So awesome. Congrats. Thank you. That hopefully means things are changing. I mean, one thing I would love to see the industry work on, especially is in television, because there are so many disabled actors out there. I'm not a disabled actor. That's not what I'm preaching for. But there are so many disabled actors out there. Mm. So instead of filling roles like this big new show superstore on netflix i don't know if you've seen it but uh, one of the actors he's in a wheelchair okay and i was like yes more disabled representation and then when i googled it he's able-bodied but sitting in a wheelchair for the show wow and i as i started watching the show like they don't think about this, but yeah. those with disabilities that have lived and experienced these things their entire life, we can pick up on things that aren't portrayed correctly in right. TVs and shows. Another one is Fault in Our Stars. One of the actors gets cancer in the show and then wears a prosthetic leg. And a majority of the time I'm sitting there watching it like, uh, I can't move like that. He wouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> he, yeah. You know, so getting these stories. actually There's no authenticity there. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm fighting for. But hopefully, one day, even Mm -hmm. disabled people can play general roles without it being hyper focused on their disability. Exactly. That would be a dream come true as well. Yeah. So, what has been your most memorable modeling gig to this point and why? I want to say all of them are pretty memorable. I want to say actually, modeling for Via Rail is quite impactful for me because it was the first time that representation actually contacted me on social media and they said we want you for this ad and they didn't directly tell me who it was for at first so I was like here's my email and information this is my agency and it turned out it was via rail and they flew me to Toronto Wow. To model for them. And I stayed at the Fairmont overnight and then shot all day on set with Via Rail. And then that's kind of when it hit me. Like it's re- it's nice to show up on set and everyone's been so welcoming and understanding and interested in learning about my disability on set. And I have loved every moment of it thus far. But when they wanted to fly me out specifically for a certain campaign, I was I, I was like, hopefully this is just the start of people wanting and seeking out diversity in ability and disabilities for their mm-hmm. models. Because, I mean, that's huge. Yeah. I, 
here I get in my car and I show up to set, but for someone to want to fly me out for something, that was kind of eye-opening. That's awesome. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) What was your first modeling gig? Oh, I got my first modeling gig even before, just before I started with my agency. I mean, I modeled here and there for small brands and I, even back home for like friends, companies and stuff, Mm. I kind of dabbled in it and didn't Mm. think anything of it. And Before I signed with my mother agency in Montreal, I got a call from her and she was like, I think you'd be really great for this shoot. And I want to sign you as a model, but I want to send you to this like casting call first. And I was Mm. like, okay, when is it? She said within the next two hours. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh yeah. So now, now. And then I was like, what do I wear? What do I do? I had no idea. And um, it was for Arden, actually. Mm. So I showed up, they took a couple shots of me in natural light, took some video footage. And Mm. I left and I was like, okay, that I've never done that before. Interesting. When do I hear back? I didn't hear anything for a few days, maybe a week. And then Mm this agent that I hadn't even signed with yet sent me paperwork being like, here's the paperwork. If you want to sign with me, would really love to represent you. We had a meeting. She's super passionate about diversity as well. Mm -hmm. And after signing the papers, I didn't really think anything would come of it because I know the industry is still changing and I haven't seen many people like me still. Then I get a phone call. Um, Yeah. You're modeling with them in like a week. And I was like, okay. And they said, you're one of the five models that will be on set for their athletic line that's coming out. So this was in like December, 2020, I modeled Mm -hmm. for them. And then the ad came out January 1st for 2021. And it was insane. I was in a video in stores and, you know, the ads and everything online. It, It felt surreal. And what touched me most though was after I did that shoot, I, I got more messages from young girls and made that's I that's probably your best, favorite it. part right I might cry about it but the war amps that I volunteer through that has helped me a lot they messaged me saying that they had over 10 young girls share it on Facebook awesome and I mean that's, that's huge that's 10 girls that I that I have touched, touched their lives so. yeah that yeah. is phenomenal that's got to just fill your heart so much mm-hmm. there's, to know there's a- yeah, nothing more that I want no. than, than to that. have that kind of impact is mm-hmm. just incredible. Because that's what it's all about, really. I mean, for anybody and everybody in life to have that kind of impact on just one human being with something that you're doing, but 10, like I that's know. phenomenal. It is phenomenal. And it's so beautiful. Yeah. I and love I'm, it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> How has going through your personal struggles helped you to empower other people who are going through similar struggles with their disabilities? I don't know if I know exactly how impactful I have been. I would hope that by sharing my story, it's helped people. I've definitely had people write me saying, oh, I thought I was the only one going through this. And that to me is still a deep connection, but sometimes I don't think I'm aware of how much or how deeply I help people. I do get some messages, some direct messages on social media. I get some accounts that reshare my videos or my photos. Um, And I think more recently, because I am growing on social media, there's been two cases that this has happened where I'm like, 
okay, I am on the path I am meant to be on (laughs) because I got emails from teachers and in two different cities. So two Mm. total, but two children had done a written project about me. Wow. Now that's fucking impact. (laughs) Holy shit. Uh, That is incredible. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You're on the right path. (laughs) That's so amazing. Yeah. Sorry. I'm crying. No, that's, Hey, that is fucking huge. That's so beautiful. I can't even fathom how that must feel for you. I really can't even imagine. Yeah, it's it's quite incredible. I definitely wish that I would have had that one person to also do the same when I was younger. So to have a PowerPoint made about me from someone in the fourth grade, it's just like, that's insane. But (laughs) although you didn't have that growing up, you are now that for them. So, I mean, I know it's not the same, but it's got to make you feel pretty fucking good that you are that person that you didn't have growing up. That's so amazing. So that fills my heart. That is so beautiful. Thank you. Wow. Like I said, I can't even imagine how you must feel having that. That's what keeps me going, honestly. Like there's so many days I get discouraged because Mm. I just want to say that just because someone's disabled, it doesn't mean that they're obligated to share their story with you. Mm -hmm. I know that not everyone would be comfortable with the amount of exposure and detail I'm giving into my personal struggles and my personal life. However, I do have hard days where I share deep things. And sometimes I feel like people online aren't connecting with it or there's no response. And then days like this, like this is the only thing that matters. So I want to keep pushing whether or not I get that instant response Mm -hmm. or whatever it may be online. And I guess that's like still a part of me that I'm struggling with from when I was younger and my trauma and seeking validation. I'm not seeking validation all the time. However, it reminds me that I'm doing this for the right reason. That's it. It's just, it just kind of, it reinforces that you're on the right mission. It's not about getting validation for it. It's just about reminder that you are doing the, the right thing, that you're on the right path and that you are impacting people. It is being helpful. That's all that is. I know. I know. It's, I think it's phenomenal. Wow. That, (laughs) that is just incredible. Absolutely. How many, how many people can say they've had kids do their school projects on them? That is amazing. So amazing. (laughs) What advice would you give someone who might be interviewing or speaking with or Becoming in contact with for the first time with a person with a disability or an amputee. I mean, we know people can be cruel and you've experienced this and I'm sure you still experience it and they get weird about things. So what advice would you give to someone who wants to talk to or or approach or interview? What kinds of things would you say? I think that language is not like the language we speak, but language pertaining to disability is important. Like I had mentioned when I was younger, I used to circle around the word disabled and I would try to avoid it, which almost made me feel like I didn't have a place in this world. Like what puzzle piece did I fit into? And now our community is taking that word back and I might advocate for disabled is not a bad word. In fact, it's a fine word. There's just a negative connotation to it that we are now like dismantling due to what able-bodied people have made it out to be, but language is so important. So if you are interested in talking to someone with a disability or interviewing them or 
you know, asking about their story, just ask them what kind of language they like to use around themselves. Similar to how we have these conversations about pronouns now. What pronouns do you associate with or use? It's the same thing. What language do you use? Do you like being called, like, is it person first language? You like being called a disabled woman or a woman with a disability? And it's all personal preference. And for me, I'm quite open. I'll take either because, I mean, it's a part of me. My disability doesn't make up me 100%. Not one characteristic within ourselves makes up our entirety. Right. Mm -hmm. So definitely asking about language first. I know that some of my friends also like person first. So women with a disability Mm. and in interviews, that's so important because if you do say the wrong term that that person personally likes to use, it can probably throw off that interview process and how comfortable they'll feel. But one thing that I have learned too, is that just because someone is disabled, they don't owe you an explanation. And a lot of the time, if let's say my leg if I'm wearing shorts and I'm entering into a building, I'm more than capable of grabbing the handle and opening the door myself. Mm-hmm. However, I have experience where people will run in front of me, cut me off, open the really? door open, be like, here you are. And frantically feel that they need to almost be the hero in every instance around mm. someone with a disability. And I want to remind people that maybe don't offer help unless it's asked for, because we've been living like this probably for longer than you think. Yeah. And we're more than capable of doing things on our own, but mm. we are definitely comfortable enough with ourselves that if we need help, we will ask for it too. Well said. That is awesome. And very, very sound advice. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Allison, to date, what would you say is your biggest high or your greatest win? Aside from having a school project made about me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, that, if that's toppable. <laughs> I've had a lot of small victories. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely overcoming my fear of being classified as a disabled woman. I would say some of my biggest successes and proudest moments have been when I have been traveling alone in other countries because sure, I know how to navigate disability in Canada and North America, but it's different when you go to, you know, third world countries or even, you know, parts of Europe and people have their I guess, prejudice or their, Mm -hmm. you know, their depiction of what disabled people should be allowed to do. And I was, for example, hiking in El Salvador, and there was this beautiful hike I wanted to do to get to these waterfalls. And I was told I wasn't allowed to go because of my leg, which is, which is fine. I definitely, I can appreciate that not everyone has the education surrounded around disability. Right. However, I grew up in Edmonton, which is not far from Banff and Jasper, and I have hiked my whole life. So Mm -hmm. I was like, hell no, I'm going (laughs) to show you that I can do this hike. And I boarded the bus anyway. And I just Mm -hmm. went and I did the hike. And then the locals were like, oh shit, she did that. And like, completed it faster than some other people that were on this excursion. (laughs) Able-bodied people. (laughs) Yeah. And so... That's one thing that I have done. I've ziplined through Costa Rica. I've surfed in Bali. I have snorkeled the barrier reefs in Belize. And I, it might sound like I'm tooting my own horn. No, no. However, hey. 
You should be proud of your accomplishments. Thank you. I love to do these things. And next I want to film myself either skydiving or bungee jumping with a prosthetic because I'm still trying to find someone. So if someone's listening to this and they know an amputee that has bungee jumped or skydived while wearing a prosthetic limb or even taking it off and adapting to that, I've been trying to ask people for advice. Oh, what do you do when, you know, they clip in your prosthetic leg and your bungee jumping I can't find any answers online so I think I might have to make those answers myself <laughs> <laughs> there you go <laughs> I think that's probably what you'll end up doing because that's just who you are <laughs> I guess yeah so I, I would say that's an accomplishment I'm very proud of is just and so you proving. should be Mm-hmm. That's Thank amazing. You. I love it. What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? Now it's not giving a shit what other people think about me. <laughs> that's a good <laughs> um, one. Taking me so long to get there. But I, I definitely know that sometimes I can be outspoken and maybe challenge the norm a little bit too much, but uh, really let going of the, everyone else's thought process. Because I mean, you only have one life to live, right? So I, I would. I would say probably. You're such a badass. I love it. (laughs) Oh, stop. (laughs) You are. I love it. So Allison, speaking of success, how do you define the word success? What does that word mean to you? To me, it's being happy with myself. That's most important. Success Mm -hmm. to me isn't surrounded around money or possessions. It's, Mm -hmm. I would say, life experiences and happiness. What would you say is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever received? Probably one of the many things my mother has told me. (laughs) Uh, As far as my mom is, I would say my role model and Mm. such a strong feminist, definitely always fighting for women's places and equality and things of that nature. So she has definitely been such a huge support with me. And one of the big things for me is I, I guess this would be my biggest like piece of advice more recently. So I actually used to perfect the way that my prosthetic looked and I always wanted it to look real with the same color as the skin on my real leg. And with the pandemic, it was so hard getting appointments to keep up with how the prosthetic shape was upholding. And I asked my mom, how do you think it would work out if I just pulled all of this foam and cover off of it and exposed the metal rod? And my mom just said, it would be badass. (laughs) So I I did it. I did it. And that was a huge stepping stone for me because I'd always had a prosthetic leg that looked real. And now I I haven't turned around again. I'm still rocking the metal exposed leg. Good for you. That's amazing. (laughs) Amazing. Can't say you uh, cut up your leg every day. (laughs) I did that. Definitely. (laughs) What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after learning it? One of the most important things I learned in my early 20s was your body isn't the most interesting thing about you. And before that, I cared so much on not only about my disability, but whether or not I was thin and feminine enough. And I think that's why I never showed my leg off because I never felt feminine enough. And then once I was like, wait, I have way more interesting features and things going on in my life than what my body looks like. And I let that go. I just let it go. And now, now I've been able to be authentically me. That's a hard journey, though. That's a hard thing to do. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So many people struggle with just being who they authentically are. Mm-hmm. And everything starts with self. Absolutely everything. Yeah. 
Okay, we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions would just be two, three, four word answer type thing. Okay. Okay, I'm ready. What was your dream job as a child? Oh, veterinarian. How would you describe yourself in one word? Ambitious. What would your friends and family list as a couple of your best characteristics? Outgoing, supportive, good listener. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? About disability. What's one thing you want but cannot buy with money? Happiness, love. If you came with a warning label, what would yours say? (laughs) High energy. (laughs) (laughs) If you could change one thing about the world, what would you change? The way we accept others. That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. (laughs) I hope I passed that section. You did awesome. (laughs) You rocked it. Can you tell me about a moment when a person's kindness made a difference in your life? Oh, too many to count, I would say. (laughs) One that Um, really sticks out. Honestly, I have such a good group of friends. It's the little things that make up the larger things for me. I mean, it's different if someone does something super nice for you once and it might be a grand gesture but are they doing it for themselves or are they doing it for you yeah so one of the kindest things that someone's done for me probably my best friend Nicole (laughs) if she's listening to this there's been a lot of times that I've struggled with accepting myself and truly not knowing if what I'm doing right now is my clear path but she has always stuck by me and she remembers things from the very beginning and reminds Mm. me of them now so that to me is so important It sounds like you've had an incredible support system around you, be it your parents or friends or, and that is so important in general in life to have that support system, whether it be what you're dealing with or what as an entrepreneur, as a human being, just to have support and have that constant cheerleading team around you. sounds like you've had an incredible one. So that's good. I'm so, I don't know what I did to deserve this, but I feel so lucky. You're a beautiful human being. That's what you did. Thank you. That's it. What is one of your favorite quotes? Can I say one that I've made up? Sure, <laughs> through of course. My words yeah. of affirmation. Yeah. So your obstacle is your opportunity. I That's, love that. I developed that by just writing on my mirror with a whiteboard marker pen. Mm-hmm. And that's what I live by now because as much as I struggled with so many other things, it's given me this opportunity to become an advocate about them. I love it. I think that's amazing. What do you do to keep yourself inspired every day and to inspire others? Oh, conversation. I love chatting with other people, learning about other experiences. And I truly feel that you can become inspired by the slightest thing. And I was a creative child. My first, I studied graphic design and photography. And I think that the way people's minds work and the creative things that evolve from that definitely inspire me day to day. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? Oh, I'm going to be sad saying this. Can it be someone that has passed on? Yes, of course. It would be my babcha probably. So my grandma. Sorry, I'm half I, Polish, no, I, so. I figured that's what you're, I figured <laughs> um, that's what that was. Yeah, I'm going to cry. But like I had said at the beginning of the interview, how my grandparents were nervous. I wouldn't find mm. someone to love me. Da, 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 da. I know that wasn't her thought when she had passed, but she's been gone now for three years. And I just want to talk to her about the woman I've become over the last three years and 
just let her know that hopefully she's proud and that, you know, she can say that things have changed since she was born because she also struggled a lot too. I'm sure she's incredibly proud looking down. <laughs> I have no doubt. How could she not be proud of what you have done <laughs> and what you have accomplished and the Thank woman you've you. become? Of course. Thank you. I didn't anticipate I would cry so much on this episode, <laughs> Brad. What are you doing to me? <laughs> I, I guess that's a good sign when the guests cry on the interview. Yeah. Who in your life has had the biggest impact on you and why? My mother. I already said this, but she stood up for me so many times and always made sure that I was okay, despite everything. Like I said, she stood up and threatened to go to the media, would defend me to principals, confronted parents of the children that were bullying me. She mm. helped support me when I did mini presentations in school just to explain my leg once kids found out in order for them to be more compassionate about it and understanding about it and she was a great mom for four kids and we all had our shit to go through but yeah I would say her (laughs) (laughs) what is your personal motto have fun (laughs) I mean we're here talking about all serious things but I have fun when I do it so (laughs) that's good If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Stand up for yourself. I didn't do that enough. And I don't really take shit from people anymore if they're rude about Mm. my body, especially, or, Mm. you know, what I'm doing when they think, you know, I'm doing this for attention or disabled people won't ever have a place. So leave the table type thing. I wish that I defended myself a lot when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Maybe I would have found my strength sooner. Well, you found it now, that's for sure. So Uh, (laughs) as as long as you found it, right? It's true. Lastly, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What would you say? I would want to say everyone is struggling with their own things. So as much as you think that people are watching your every move and criticizing and judging your body and what you're capable of or how you are different, they're probably way more invested and fearful of how they're portraying their their self. So definitely live authentically to who you are. Love it. Beautiful. Allison, thank you so very much for making the time. I am so grateful for, for, for this opportunity to sit down and speak with you. You are an incredible role model. You are an incredible inspiration. You are amazing. You're, you're such a badass. I love it. This, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. This has been amazing. And as you said in the beginning, things are worth waiting for, right? This, Like I said, we've been trying to get this conversation together for a while, but I am so grateful and happy to have been able to finally sit down with you and talk because I have learned a lot. You have inspired me. You're amazing. You are just a truly beautiful human being and soul and woman. And I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Brad. That's so kind of you to say. Pumping my tires a little bit too much, but I'm so (laughs) grateful to have had this conversation with you as well. So thank you so much for having me, even though I know I have kept you waiting. (laughs) That's okay. It's well worth the wait. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast today. My guest has been Allison Lang. She is an athlete, a model, a spokesperson, and an amputee and disability advocate. Thanks so much, Allison. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. Thanks, you too. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. 
You can find me at visuphoria.ca. Follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.